Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Today I wanted to talk about why people find it so difficult to leave narcissistic relationships and I want to look at it for two reasons. Firstly, because I want to explain it to the people who don't understand narcissism but you ask the question, but why did it take you so long to leave? Or, but if it was so bad, why didn't you leave sooner? I'm afraid even people who work in the area of family law don't always understand the issues involved. I've even heard of professionals at the very top of the tree who've said, I don't believe that that can have happened because if it had, you would have left. It can't have been that bad because you stayed. The second angle that I want to come at this from is for those of you who've been in narcissistic relationships and have found it incredibly difficult to leave. You might be trying to pluck up the courage to go right now, or you might keep trying and failing to leave. I want to reassure you that there are excellent reasons why it's so very difficult to leave a narcissistic relationship, and to let you know that it is normal to find it so hard to walk away and to stay away once you've made the break. So let's dive in and start talking about fear. Now, so many people tell me that fear was their number one reason for staying as long as they did. Most people will have been threatened by their narcissist and told exactly how they would be punished for leaving. Narcissists will threaten all sorts of things to prevent their partner from leaving, ranging from threatening to take the children and pets, to burning the house down, to blackmail, to spending all the money, to stalking, to threatening to kill the other person, or even by threatening suicide. People are literally too scared to leave because they know what abuse will be coming their way. It takes an enormous amount of courage to leave in the face of these threats, especially when they may actually come to fruition. These are often not empty threats. Now, narcissists have also gaslit their victims into believing that they couldn't possibly manage without them, that they need them, that no one else could ever love them, leading to a fear of the future if they try to leave the narcissist. Now, we do have an episode on gaslighting, which is a really big part of all narcissistic relationships. So please do give that a listen if you want to know more. 
But basically, the victim has an altered sense of reality and ends up not trusting their own perceptions, feelings or memories. None of this makes it easy to leave your relationship when you feel you can't trust yourself to make good decisions. To add to the problem of gaslighting, many people who've been in a relationship with a narcissist have found themselves socially isolated as well. This may be because of the narcissist's embarrassing or self-centred or toxic behaviours which have turned friends and family away, or because the narcissists themselves have deliberately isolated you from those you love, perhaps by disapproving of them or insisting that you focus on them instead. It may be that you have no one left to confide in or no one who can give you their opinion regarding your partner. And this can leave you questioning your own reality with no anchor to keep things real. Not only can this leave you confused about the realities of your relationship, but you may literally have no support network. Of course, you're going to find leaving difficult under these circumstances. Unsurprisingly, people who've been in relationships like these often suffer from anxiety too, because of the narcissistic abuse that they've been subjected to. And anxiety doesn't just manifest as an emotion, it has physical manifestations too, which can be debilitating. And very often, people don't even realise that these physical symptoms are actually manifestations of anxiety. You can be crippled by episodes of chest pain, convinced that you're having a heart attack. You may suffer from diarrhoea that is so profuse that you can't go to work. You may be doubled over with abdominal pain or feel constantly sick. Panic attacks may affect how you live your life. Your sleep may be affected, wrecking your ability to function, even your memory. Back pain, neck pain, headaches and every other type of ache are common in anxiety. And even strange symptoms like difficulty swallowing can sometimes be caused by anxiety. They're not in your head. They are real but the brain is interpreting your emotional pain as being physical. It's misinterpreting the nerve signals as coming from a physical source. Another far too common consequence of this type of abusive relationship is complex PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, especially after long relationships. Here the victim suffers from debilitating emotional flashbacks, which can be triggered by all sorts of events and even by memories. So they can be sideswiped by these and find it extremely difficult to function during these episodes. This is a real disorder which occurs as a result of the repeated trauma one goes through as a victim of narcissistic abuse. So it should be completely understandable that anyone going through complex PTSD or anxiety might just be too ill to make the practical arrangements they need to or to get into the right emotional space that they need to be in to leave the relationship. And legal professionals have to start understanding this. But now I want to talk about love. Or what might feel like love, but more specifically is actually addiction. Addiction to the narcissist themselves. And this is all about trauma bonding. The abusive behaviours of a narcissist actually lead to their victims becoming addicted to them. So that they become trapped in the relationship. Because that keeps them exactly where the narcissist wants them, as a reliable and steady source of narcissistic supply, too invested in the relationship to break free. And if you haven't already listened to our podcast on narcissistic supply, then please do, because it really is key to understanding where your power lies in this dynamic. But how do the abusive behaviours lead to victims becoming addicted to the narcissist? Well, narcissists use a thing called intermittent reinforcement to keep their victims hooked to them. 
If you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, you will have been love-bombed at the beginning, if you look back on it. You might have been showered with attention, perhaps with over-the-top professions of love and grand gestures, and communication might have been constant. Your relationship will have progressed very quickly. This is an important time for your brain because it's being flooded with feel-good brain chemicals, neurotransmitters, during this initial honeymoon phase of the relationship. During love bombing, those neurochemicals are produced in vast quantities. But what starts as the perfect relationship with a narcissist being loving and caring then turns ever so slightly sour with subtle abuse, perhaps with a silent treatment or a subtle put down or mild humiliation. And the victim's brain chemicals come crashing down as a result. And now they become desperate to get back those feelings of the initial phase of the relationship. They don't know it, but they want the feel-good neurotransmitters in their brain to peak again. So they find themselves jumping through hoops to placate or win over the narcissist. And the narcissist responds by giving out wins, which can be big or small. So you might get a tiny bit of attention here and there, or an unexpectedly lavish meal, or a profession of everlasting love, any of which have the effect of sending your brain chemicals right back up. But it's important to realise that this is a cycle, the so-called cycle of idealisation and devaluation. And so the put-downs are never far away. You can't have the horrible behaviour without the reprieves. That wouldn't be effective in causing the addiction. The nice times are just as essential a part of the abuse as the nasty ones to draw you in and keep you hooked in the cycle. So just as you're feeling relieved that everything seems okay again, you will be devalued again. And this cycle goes round and round and round throughout your relationship, throwing your brain chemicals into havoc. They're sometimes depleted and so craved for and sometimes sky high. Now, from a neurochemical perspective, this is the addictive cycle. This is why it's addictive. And it works just like gambling machines or slot machines. Studies in mice have actually replicated this so-called intermittent reinforcement, and it's precisely the varying, unpredictable nature of the wins and the losses that keeps the victim in the game, chemically hooked to it. Now, with slot machines, it's the initial payout that keeps the gambler playing, sinking more and more cash into the machine, hoping that the next win is around the corner. And just as they are about to get fed up and tire of the game, they have a small win, which of course reignites their desire to continue playing for the jackpot. Now, more money is now lost, but another neurochemical releasing win will follow at some point, keeping them hooked. And it's no accident that these machines are designed to be profitable and addictive. The gambler is never really the winner, and in exactly the same way, nor is the victim of narcissistic abuse. Now, we all know that addicts of any sort are driven by their addictions and can't see them objectively. So is it really any wonder that victims find it hard to see the narcissist for who they are if they're locked in this confusing, addictive cycle? And bear in mind that these are the exact same tactics that cult leaders use to ensnare their victims. And of course, they are also known to be pathologically narcissistic in personality. So no wonder it's hard to leave. Now, I also want to mention hoovering here because finding yourself being repeatedly sucked back into the relationship also throws a spanner into the works when it comes to leaving a narcissist.
Again, we have a podcast episode on hoovering tactics, so please do have a listen to that. But essentially, in hoovering, the narcissist will try to persuade their victim to change their mind about leaving through love bombing, where they shower you with love, promises to change, and even by threatening suicide. Narcissists are fantastic at sucking their victims back in, especially if they've located their Achilles heel over a long marriage or relationship. They'll play on your sympathy, your love, your guilt and your sadness and it usually takes several attempts for a victim to successfully leave. You are not alone in this, trust me. I briefly mentioned guilt but this really is another huge reason why people stay stuck in narcissistic relationships and a narcissist will play on this especially in that hoovering phase that I've just talked about. So you'll be made to feel as though you've destroyed your narcissistic partner's life by even considering leaving. They might make you feel as though you've used them, that you've lied to them when you made your wedding vows, that you're ruining the lives of the children by depriving them of a two-parent household. You may be persuaded that your partner's behaviour is actually caused by a brain tumour or stress or some other type of illness and not narcissism and you feel guilty about abandoning them in their hour of need. You are likely to be an empathic person, probably a rescuer. So when it comes to leaving, it's no wonder that guilt about the effect you leaving might have on your partner and your children could stop you in your tracks. And we can't talk about leaving a narcissist without talking about unrealistic hope here as well. The hope that things will go back to how they were when the relationship seemed perfect. Another big factor in preventing people from leaving. The problem is that if you don't realise that how things were was merely the narcissistic person reflecting your adoration of them back onto you, you will believe that your relationship was real. You will believe that their love for you was deep. You'll be trapped by images of their romantic gestures, not only during the initial love bombing phase of the relationship, but also in the subsequent intermittent phases where they drew you back in after they'd criticised you and made you feel bad. People can have a tendency to remember the past with rose-tinted spectacles, and this also has a part to play. This so-called euphoric recall is a pronounced feature in narcissistic abuse and can prevent you from seeing the relationship as it really was. Another reason why people find it hard to leave. And finally, it's hard to come to terms with the fact that your partner is a narcissist. And most people are really confused about whether they are or not for months or even years. You can do all the reading, listen to all the podcasts, and still one minute you might be sure that they are, and the next minute convinced that you've got it wrong. And again, this is normal in view of the gaslighting and the love bombing and the hope and the guilt and the trauma bonding that I've just described. Add to that the fact that covert or closet narcissists are particularly hard to spot and that exhibitionist or grandiose narcissists are seen by many outside the relationship as the perfect partner and parent and they're adored and revered by those who don't know them well. And you have that added layer of confusion, a case of can no one else see this? And if not, doesn't that mean that I'm wrong? It's only the devaluing narcissists who come across as openly toxic who are relatively easy to pinpoint by outsiders. It's hard to leave a narcissist, really hard. And I really hope that our family law audience, the social workers, the Kafkas officers, mediators, the solicitors, the barristers and the judges listening to this will now understand why people don't leave sooner. It's not because the abuse wasn't real or severe. 
It's precisely because it was. Finding it hard to leave is a direct consequence of that abuse. And for those of you trying to leave but finding it difficult or finding it difficult to not go back to the narcissist, know that you are normal. You will get there when the time is right for you. You'll never be completely ready to face the music, but one day you'll be ready enough. My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.